it was tough, but it was so good to learn. Uh, competition was high. And in the first year, I uh, had a lot to learn, <laughs> really. And in the second year, I, I won the series. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Partners in Time. Um, it's very nice to have you once again. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. I'm here with Laura Kreihammer from Austria, a racing driver. And joining me, I don't even know whereabouts in the world you are, Laura. Are you in Salzburg? Whereabouts am I catching you? you <laughs> Hi. Hello. Yes. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, I'm sitting in Salzburg, actually. And you also, we just we just touched on it in the sort of off-air intro a little bit already. Yeah. You are actually one of the few people as well who are actually traveling occasionally in these sort of locked down times. I just had my first proper flight experience yesterday. It was quite shocking, but but you're quite mobile still, right? Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, it didn't take a long time for me since uh, since the whole pandemic started. I traveled the, again last June already. Wow. Well, I, I always knew yeah. I should have become a racing driver. I would have been. <laughs> we could have but gotten out of Schaffhausen that way. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but traveling not the best part about racing, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's the thing. Like when, when the whole thing started, um, did you act, actually ever miss the process of traveling or was it just being in places and meeting people and doing your thing? And I think actually in the first stage i really enjoyed the traveling because yeah. it's quite exciting you know taking flights all over the world uh, taking like the first time in business class things like this you it's, fly it's business really class. exciting Cheeky. i did once wow. i did once I am actually yes yeah absolutely uh, it was it's, right I mean, for some, it's, isn't it? <laughs> it's like in a hotel room it's an absolute privilege and it's so exciting and a great experience for for a young for a young woman like me honestly I really enjoyed it um but actually I think after some time uh, I could I could skip the traveling and just uh, enjoy being in places yeah. straight away yeah <laughs> teleportation it's it's much nicer it actually it struck yeah. me the whole um I mean I, I've literally been you know sort of a car and and walking a mobile only for the for the last year or so And in this yeah. entire time, I have not missed, and this is quite ironic seeing that we make a lot of pilots watches, but I have not missed uh, <laughs> the inside of a commercial aircraft like for even one second. It feels a little bit like it's sort of back to square one because the last sort of um, 50 years of aviation have all been about increased convenience, connectivity, flights to everywhere mm. and sort of almost fluid um, movement through airports, etc. And that's very much uh, uh, come to a rapid uh, halt again with uh, We are now quite the elaborate prep and check-in process and taking various PCR and lateral flow tests and all the rest of it. It's, it's, it's not convenient anymore, is it? No, we've, uh, I think we've been taught a lot regarding communication without actually traveling or changing places, yeah, you know. Indeed. So it's been quite interesting. Yeah. The only thing which is not possible in one place uh, only is racing. So well, on Twitch, I, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> But that's not enough. <laughs> do, you, do you have a Twitch account? Are you, are you, are you a streamer? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Actually, I, I have a sim uh, simulator, of yeah. course, um, and I'm using it uh, regularly. We have to. But uh, I'm not the kind of, uh, yeah, no, I've never tried streaming. And uh, I, I think. I mean, there are many others doing a, a great job uh, streaming, 
So I'll <laughs> so you leave it, it you leave it to them. <laughs> yeah, I leave it to them. <laughs> well, I wonder sometimes as well. I mean, I you know, as as you you may have heard, and I've mentioned before, I'm, I have so much respect for the level of concentration and focus that you racing drivers, you know, keep consistently as well. And we'll touch on that in a minute, of course. And you, you're also an endurance racer. You race 24 hours and so on. It's, it's amazing mm. to see um, your focus consistency and, and, and which, which I, I totally wouldn't have. But then to be talking and, and commentating at the same time and keeping yeah. a mass audience entertained and, and sort of answering questions in the chat. It's, I, I, can't yeah. Really, yeah, I can't even imagine doing that. And it, it must be tough. I think it's a huge challenge, honestly. And I think you need to practice it also because I can only imagine it from, you know, we sometimes did some onboard labs, commented onboard yeah. labs, yeah. where if you have the microphone attached to your suit and everything. And it feels quite weird to talk in the racing car while driving. It's uh, yeah. something which you're definitely not used to, commenting on what you are doing right yeah, yeah. now. Explaining so, your intuitive yeah. driving. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that's it. And that feels strange. So I have the biggest respect also for those people uh, doing nice streaming. Yeah, definitely the people listening to the onboard labs, they don't constantly want to hear, whoa, 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 oh, should have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should have yeah, paid yeah, attention yeah, yeah. to that one. Left, left, left. <laughs> Or, yeah, or my tires are gone, my tires are gone. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it has to come sort of naturally. And I, I mean, I realize yeah. I mean, I'm rubbish at multitasking anyway, I guess many men are. But what I noticed the, the, the other day is we, I basically had one scene in my uh, studio live presentations here when we had the novelty presentation for the pilots, where I basically had to walk from camera position A to camera position B take mm -hmm. a watch off my wrist, put that watch on the tray, put presentation gloves on, face a new camera, and at the same time explain a testing setup in the physics department of the University of Cambridge. And literally, this took me like, <laughs> it took me, I mean, normally I'm quite all right at sort of, sort of just winging it and just making stuff up, but I literally had to practice that like seven, eight times because you have to, so many yeah, things going imagine. on in your head. And that, that's kind of the, you know, just before we get into sort of your whole like racing career, but maybe, maybe just... How how intense is the workload in the cockpit? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes you don't even realize how much stuff is going on because um, a lot of things are working automatically. Uh, otherwise, you couldn't, uh, yeah, you couldn't do it anyway. But I think you've got to, you know, look at temperatures, uh, give information to engineers at the right time, look at traffic, Focus on, of course, the car. Focus on uh, sounds, especially in endurance racing. You know, if if there are special sounds coming up in the car, mm. uh, yeah, special smells, sounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of burnt rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything, yeah. everything you don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Some strange noises Clonking. or anything. Yes, for example. <laughs> and um, and if you just um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on, and then trying to to be on the limit as well for yourself and for the car uh, while doing all these other things can be really mm. challenging. And when you get to, how long does it take to, to get to know a particular car until you're in a position where you can actually just sort of feel almost intuitively if the car's all right or if something needs attention? I think it's a little different for every racing driver because you, I think you get to know a car by uh, heading towards its limits mm. or over the limits already to to have feeling about how it reacts if it's over the limit you know and yeah. there are some drivers which are very fast at this point and others which are not so fast 
Like I've always been a driver, not uh, pushing a car over its limits uh, immediately, just simply because of the fact that I've been you racing quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've been racing quite a long time with very, very small budget. Mm. And if I would have uh, destroyed something or crashed or anything, I couldn't have driven anymore. Yeah, that so would have been the end of business me, class, definitely. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. No, no business class in these times. Um, but uh, so I've always been a driver trying to, you know, come from top, top uh, from from down to top and and uh, doing it step by step. Um, but um, I think if if you have maybe one or two days, and then you should know a car pretty much. It, yeah. That's something also that, um, yeah. and again, this this is also part of the reason why we're, why we're talking today. Um, but this was um, David Kufat's f- uh, feedback as well from the 300 SL going that obviously in, yeah. in, these, in this classic racing environment, you have to mm-hmm. go and race in a car with basically almost zero prior, you know, testing feel for the car. You know, yeah. it's not that you've sort of tested the tires for, for, for laps on end and, and know how the car is going to behave. Uh, plus, you've, you've got something which is also quite valuable and expensive <laughs> underneath yes. your backside, and which you don't want to write yes. off necessarily. And then you find that everybody else is quite aggressive in the race and you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that must be, and, and that's always we see the difference with Formula One. It's these, these ladies and gentlemen, they, they have a, a lot of uh, testing uh, behind them, obviously, to get to know the car and to know exactly what's going on. Sure. And also, I mean, with the Gullwing, this is such a special car. It's also a complete different car than, for example, I'm racing yeah. uh, now uh, all the time. So that's not if you if you try two different GT3 cars, no. they are so much closer to each <laughs> no. other than if you try something completely different like the 300 SL Gullwing. Uh, absolutely. This is, yeah, it's a lot more of a rustic uh, experience for sure. Yeah, but yeah. You, I mean, but you're racing KTM. It's a beautiful car. It is indeed, yes. But you're racing KTM at the moment, yeah? Which which is the... Yes. It's the crossbow, right? Or yes, Expo, I'm, or whatever I'm, you call that. Uh, it's it's crossbow is fine. <laughs> yes, so yeah, I'm I'm racing for KTM, the KTM crossbow, the GT4, and the GTX both wow. models. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. one, I mean, there's, you know, when, when the sort of the car design people like me think of KTM, we think of things without a roof where in the sort of go karts, but there is actually a KTM yeah. now with a proper roof. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Since 2016 already, yeah, oh, right, um, okay. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the GT4, um, the KTM Crossbow GT4, which is a GT4 homologated race car. Mm. And we've been racing it internationally since 2016. It has a roof and it, yeah, it's, it's like a GT4 car. And the yeah. GTX now also, uh, has a roof, of course, uh, because I mean, that's a car with, uh, yeah, five hundred thirty horsepower and thousand fifty kilos. So yeah. it needs well, a roof, yeah. yes. definitely. <laughs> it needs a roof, and it's yeah. it's quite a sort of it's quite a raw experience. Also, sort of in the roofless models. I mean, I remember uh, one of the racing drivers taking me around the track in one of those aerial atoms. You know, where you're yeah. literally strapped to the engine, it feels like it's almost like a, a, a motorbike just with four wheels type type situation, and you're sitting in yeah. there, and it's just it's a completely different experience when there's no windscreen, no roof, and you're sort of just you're feeling everything. It's it's quite brutal. It's very pure, yeah. you know. That's uh, one way like it's I, a lot I, of flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also. <laughs> but uh I I learned driving race cars actually in this cars and in the in the KTM crossbow in the open top yeah. uh, car and there are there is no ABS there's no traction no, control no. nothing in this car. So uh 
I always had the feeling that it was great to learn driving race cars in these cars because it's very pure and very, as you say, kind of rough. But yeah, it's pure driving experience in the end of the day. Yeah. There's nothing really that helps you. It's you at the car and it's your skills. Yeah. Yeah. Left, left foot is your ABS. Absolutely, and I I watched the, the the driver who took me around in the in the aerial where basically I don't think there were many sections on the track where he actually had what I would call grip. I think most of it was kind yeah. of in floaty mode, and you could see obviously the feet being quite busy, kind of doing this manually. And I think I would have been off the track sort of in in turn one probably. And it's amazing to see how you know for me this constantly feels wrong you know it constantly feels like you're actually just about to have a massive crash, but you actually start yeah. to get comfortable in that mode, right? Yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is, uh, the very first time I tried a race car with ABS was uh, then the the GT4 from KTM, uh, which has ABS system inside. And I didn't really properly use it in the beginning because this felt wrong for yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> that it felt wrong for me not to uh, regulate the the braking pressure yeah. myself. So it still yeah. feels wrong for me in a road car, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, I love the ABS. I appreciate it, especially in the rain. Hey? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to say, yeah. Not not like the, the the recent Italian Grand Prix where where all of our friends in Formula yeah. One sort of also didn't find any grip oh, wow. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. That 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 was um, very entertaining in a strange <laughs> kind in, of way. It was indeed. Yeah. For me, yeah. this is always a huge opportunity because it's those races when I know that maybe I can get one of those front wing end plates with the IWC logo to display in my office or shop because when ah. they lose them a lot then it's always an opportunity for me to collect them. Oh, there, there should have been a few from this race I guess. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. But so, I've, I've never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting thought. No, but literally the one that's in the uh, in our uh, boutique in, in, in Zurich which you have to come and see at some point IWC Racing Works that was literally um, Valtteri's front wing end plate from the the Abu Dhabi GP in 2019. Ah. And oh, I can remember yeah. I was sitting, I was standing next to Toto and you could see Valtteri having, having, having this little skirmish and this uh, yeah. end plate was just basically flying across the TV screen on the official feed in absolute slow motion, sort of, you know, spinning. Oh my God. And the IWC logo was sort of spinning across the screen. And then the marshals are all over it and basically, um, you know, asked Toto, is that, can we send somebody out to actually collect this? And then they, they did, they radioed out to the marshals and they collected it for us and now it's in the boutique. So that's a, it's, a, it's a nice little memento from that race, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really cool, hey? So let's have a conversation a little bit about your racing uh, history and career. So you literally started uh, on karts, right? Yeah, right. And I started with karting at 12. 12. At the age of and was 12. that sort of, the, yeah. what, what was your first moment when you realized that it, you, you had an interest in racing and, and loving things in four wheels? How did that happen? Um, I think like it's always been a kind of family tradition to look uh, Formula One on Sundays. Yeah. My dad has always been into cars. My brother has always been into cars. I've just been after my brother all the time. Mm. And um, so car racing has always been a part. But actually, I never really considered being a racing driver for myself. When I was 12 years old, I got uh, the possibility to try a race car and actually there was someone besides the track who told my dad oh that doesn't look too bad what she's doing in there oh, good. and um yeah so they asked me if i had fun and 
I had more fun than I've ever had. So I definitely wanted to, yeah, I definitely wanted to try this. And, uh, yeah, then I, uh, a week later I had my, my, my cart and my helmet and everything. And two weeks later I drove my very first race and wow. Yeah, basically like this, it started and never really ended. That's yeah, that's that's quite the introduction to racing. Two two weeks after you had your first go, you were racing. <laughs> yeah, I mean we spent whole I, uh, we spent whole holidays, my brother and me, on on race tracks near our hotels where where our parents <laughs> dropped us, you know, in the in the morning and uh, got us again in the evening because we we were trying to. To drive carts all you know on rental tracks rental car tracks <laughs> and uh, we had the mechanics there and we talked to the people and we drove the cars whenever we could so well you brought it, your own mechanics it, no no we helped those mechanics <laughs> oh, right, okay. you know i was going to say the kai hummer team comes to the mallorca holiday karting oh, no. track with their own engineering setup so right guys oh, okay. <laughs> no far away from that at this point it was all just fun you know i never <laughs> It, I never really considered it. It was never as there is no racing background in my family. Mm. Being a racing driver never really was, uh, you know, a thing. It's really bored with passion, more or less. A passion that you that you have the privilege uh, privilege to find and experience, and then yeah, can mm. uh, can so, turn into a job. I know this is sort of my my standard question in this context, but I've got to ask: uh, What was the first? car moment you remember i mean i don't know if you, your house was sort of the the toy car house and you had maybe one of those that you remember or was there a car that you saw early on when you were a child that you sort of connected with or you thought oh that's that sort of left an impression or not at all hmm. no car posters on the wall in early yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah 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 I, I there are a lot of uh drawings from me I, as as a child, where I drew, um, I drew, I painted the car really? from my dad, like a Porsche, uh, oh, cool. and and my very like my very first own car. I got it with eighteen. Was an old Mini Cooper. Oh, nice. Yeah, a very old nineteen uh, nineties. As a not so old, obviously, but old it's not, it's yeah, old enough. And, uh, it's, it's a very small car without power steering, you know, and yeah. everything. And I absolutely love it. I, the, I don't remember like a car moment itself. I just know there are millions of drawings of cars from me as a child. Uh, and you, I've you, never. And you're good I've at drawing really, in those days? I mean, you, you were. Oh talent? yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! No, absolutely, a complete artist. No jokes. <laughs> I mean, you can, <laughs> you can, you can see it's a car, but uh, it's not. Uh, you cannot say, "Oh, it's a Porsche." Ah, right. Okay. No, <laughs> because you know, cars were always. You know, I, I was, I was totally into drawing in my sort of uh, early and late teenage years, especially, and and I always struggled with cars, and and that, that's why in the end I switched over to doing mainly sort of sci-fi flying cars because I didn't have the problem with the wheels in ah. perspective. So it's a lot easier actually to get the body right, kind of with without yeah, wheels, yeah. but. It's the wheel bit. I mean, even now, like when I doodle during maybe not so exciting Zoom meetings, 
I draw cars <laughs> from the front and the back mainly because I don't have that perspective issue. In the way perspective this. issue, I yeah, still no. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm happy to show you some drawings from from myself. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Show the Insta, Insta gallery of, of Laura's yeah. and Chris's early car attempts. Yeah, I'll find some. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> we could make the whole exhibition out of that, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then let's look a little bit at your different career stages. I mean, you've you've done 24 hours Nürburgring, things like that. I think I've seen you in, in Audi R8 GTs and stuff like that as well. And then the mm -hmm. KTM. So, so talk us a little bit through your racing journey. Uh, yes. Um, so basically, when I started with 12, the, the karting career, I had to end it with 16, just because, you know, we all know um, that racing is a financially intense mm. uh, sport and i just simply didn't have the financial uh, support to race cars at this time and uh, i mean my parents knew that this was my biggest passion and i always hoped i would get the chance to start racing again but i only got it with 22 years so i yeah. had uh, yeah a pause of six years in between and with 22 i started racing in the KTM Crossbow series, yeah. which um, was a series, yeah, with 35 to 40 starters, all the same cars at this at this point. And it was tough, but it was so good to learn. Uh, competition was high. And in the first year, I uh, had a lot to learn, mm. <laughs> really. And in the second year, I, I won the series. Wow. And yeah, and that was, uh, I was incredibly lucky because uh, KTM then started talking uh, and to support me yeah. uh, with the racing. And uh, we, I was allowed to move into the GT4 and uh, I, I started uh, driving GT4 internationally, European series. You know, this was all brand new for me. While having the, the break, I, I studied law and and um, economics i worked at audi i uh, you know i basically had a normal life but uh, always with this passion which yeah. i tried to find a way to 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 get into again and um after then uh, getting the support from ktm uh, and being on in, in an international series uh, which which went very well in the first year i changed uh, into the ktm marketing because uh, uh, racing started to get more and more intense the weekends you know added up and i said um, at this point i never believed that i would this would be my job at some point you know as we all know that racing is financially so intense, I, I would have never thought to, to get so far, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's always something you work towards, too. But there are so many big talents uh, out there which don't have the background and can't do this, yeah. that you just cannot rely on it. So how does it work when you enter a series like the the KTM in the first year? Do, do you actually, do you rent the car? Do you have to buy the car outright? Do you sort of, is there a package you can buy from, from the series or yeah. KTM or how does it work? Yeah, both. Uh, you can either buy a car, you can either rent a car. Um, but you, you, I rented a car at this point and just bought a package uh, for a mechanic, which would help me uh, to set up the car and uh, and then you know yeah. just drive. And that means you don't have to take the car home, I presume. <laughs> it kind of stays with. The... Yes, yes, sure. <laughs> it stays with the team. It's only it's very basic, but it's uh, it's really nice. You come. 
uh, to the racetrack. You have your car, which is perfectly, um, perfectly in shape. You, you get into the car, have lots of driving time. And uh, after the weekend, you can get home again. And I guess it comes with insurance. If you do write it off, you consider just drop it off and say, okay, see you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't even remember how it was at this time, but racing insurance Sorry is, is a yeah, big thing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, that's a, yeah, a sensitive uh, topic. <laughs> a sensitive topic. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it is absolutely. like it is with mum and dad in your first car, I suppose. I remember very well the, the look on my dad's face when I did. Brought yeah. back my very first yeah. car in not so great a condition after my first uh, trip to London. <laughs> oh my God! They weren't very impressed. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. My my mom was uh, on the racetrack only twice with me, and the second time I took her was in the GT4 mm. series, and she uh, took me aside and said, "Laura, you never told me those cars are so fast." And I was like, "Yeah, mom, but what do you expect <laughs> do me you expect to do?" To race car. <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, that was when I was in, uh, under con uh, like I was uh, at the, I had the job already with KTM. So um, yeah, she just didn't really realize. I think has she going ever gotten on. in a car with you since, or was that it? No, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> she she has never seen the new car driving in reality. So, so no. which, uh, Yeah, which is even quicker. Yeah. So, so if you go somewhere now, you take two cars, eh? <laughs> you and your mom. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I tell you that the biggest racing drivers often are the family members itself themselves. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, definitely. Like I would say, my mom and my grandma and my dad are driving far quicker on the road than yeah. I do. Yeah, see, so, so, well, they haven't got the the kind of the outlet and the release that you have on the racetrack, so they they've got to get it from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I, but, uh, I understand this as well. I also I love this sort of communication that is going on going on between. I mean, obviously we could talk for hours about drivers and passengers, but which is sort of an, yeah. a huge theme, you know. And I'm sure everybody in a relationship has yeah. their own experience with the different oh, perspectives yes. in which seat you're in. Uh, but yeah. I love that you know my mum. I mean, bless her. But when, when she gets into any car with me, before we even start, she would basically start like squeezing her feet into the footwell, find. No secure way. grips with both hands sort of you know bracing herself <laughs> against the dashboard and, so, and you know, <laughs> holding on for dear life you know just look at her I said mom put the oh. engine on yet <laughs> oh that's awesome we're only going to that's the station awesome. okay it's gonna be all right yeah and she's I, the one I who always gets tickets grandma. by the way I, I you know she's the one yeah, who always yeah. gets, and she's oh yeah sure. i got flashed again i said see mom but every time you get in the car with me you're like holding on for dear yeah. life it's uh, anyway yeah <laughs> Yeah, I always listen to comments like, I don't know who you got this, this racing from. passion <laughs> from. Definitely not from me. And I'm like, if I drive with her on the road and she's going far too fast, I'm like, mom, yeah. did you like, did what, you see what that are pedestrian? You? Yeah, what are, what? <laughs> okay, it's not that bad. No, they are good drivers. But yeah, the worst is my grandma. She's just the quickest driver of all. 
Yeah, I, I don't know uh, if you have that in, in in Austria, but I always remember from the UK, they were like car insurances that basically offered you a discount. If you installed a black box in all of the cars in your family, that would monitor your driving behavior and it would give you points. Really? Yeah, and you could actually run <gasps> a comparative sort of um, league table within your family of who's the most responsible and energy efficient driver, who doesn't, you know, no rapid braking, none of that. <laughs> so can you imagine? Oh my God, that's great. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't so obvious in my family, <laughs> I would say I would that. need something like this. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> oh dear. But, yeah. No, but oh anyway, I mean, we're hinting yeah. at that already. You know, from from the world of modern, sophisticated cars uh, with with proper yeah. sort of monocoques and carbon fiber, uh, to the <laughs> 1955 beauty but brutally raw and and analog and mechanical 300 SL. And Laura, we're obviously very excited yes. that should things go to plan and everything works out with the pandemic and all the rest of it. I'm wildly excited about you hopefully having a go for the IWC Classic Racing Team and our 300 SL going in, in, in Goodwood this year, in October, if that goes ahead. Yes, and luckily it's a date which there is no other race or anything. So if everything goes to plan, uh, that would be a dream come true, be honestly. Have you driven a yeah. 300 SL before? Never. Have you driven Never. anything from 1955? <laughs> Not even close to it. <laughs> Not even close. Okay. So I, I've, I've seen a car um, only like one, a week ago in Munich um, in the motor world. And I just went around the corner, you know, and mm -hmm. it just suddenly the car was. was there. And my heart dropped. <laughs> it's such a beautiful car. It's crazy. It's a great piece of engineering. And uh, yeah. Well, I think you won't be. Yeah, okay. No, it's a it's a great piece of engineering, unless it's icy. For these <laughs> times, I mean, for yeah, these no, times, and I, definitely, I, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's this is pure racing. I know. I, I was blown away actually. I mean, the the only time I've I've driven the 300 SL in anger, as it were, was during uh, Mille Miglia yeah. in uh, 2018, 17, 18, ah, 18. Beautiful. I think. And it is, you know, once you get used to it, obviously for me in the beginning, the, the big shock, as you say, you know, no power steering and all the rest of it, you, you literally need all yeah. your strength and your entire body weight on the clutch, on the yeah. brakes. And obviously it has a hell of a lot of brake steer, but you just don't know whether it's going to be left or right. So it's, it's a little bit of a, yeah, of a gamble obviously. <laughs> when you hit the brakes and you really don't want to hit the brakes too late because this thing will otherwise just uh, take you into the next ball or in the person in front yeah. of you. So there's quite a lot of, you have quite a bit of margin you need in that car. Uh, but what is fascinating is for a car in 1955, if you take this thing on the motorway, it'll literally go 200 plus kilometers per hour. No problem. It doesn't even feel like it's yeah. about to fall apart. It's it's quite solid. And, and that is, for those days, you know, uh, quite an achievement. And I always remember this, yeah. these stories about Mr. Uhlenhaut, the engineer, who I think, I think he went n almost deaf in the end from the noise in, in his various cars. But he actually always um, took great pride in the fact that he could... Uh, Uh, go the insane distance from his hometown to the factory in Stuttgart in like an hour 10, like on cobbled roads back in the 50s. And you think like, okay, yeah. I mean, suicidal uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's no, it's really a privilege. And also, you know, great drivers have driven this car with yeah. uh, Karl Wendlinger and Bernd Schneider and David Coulthard, of course. Uh, that's, it's just a huge privilege to, to, ever drive such a car and then of course goodwood i mean is is a unique event and um yeah it's just perfect yeah i love that tracker have you been on the goodwood track before 
No, never. I've never even track, made yeah. it to Goodwood. We oh, wanted okay. to go the last yeah. year, but it's not. It obviously didn't happen. Yeah. So I've I've never been there, but the, a car for me has been uh, has been driven there already. Okay. Like my my uh, KTM Crossbow GT4 from 2017, I think, yeah. or 18, has been on display and been driven there. Wow. No, yeah. it's a good it's a good track. I mean, it's um it's it's quite fast, especially down the uh, the back straight and into the uh, mm-hmm. the right hander mm-hmm. and the chicane. There, it's it's quite you know for for you know poor little unexperienced road drivers like yeah. me, it's quite it's quite, <laughs> quite scary at times. Um, but it's it's definitely it's definitely fun. And what is brilliant about Goodwood is obviously you have a, a whole range of all of these Listers and Jaguar E types and all of that stuff competing in yeah. in, in that class. Uh, and it's 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 quite full on and close quarters racing. Like this is something that really blew me away when I first went to Goodwood members meetings. I thought people are going to be very sort of you know careful yeah. with their uh, multi million pound racing machines, but you know they're they're in it to win it. You know this. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I watched some videos, of course, uh, and and I was fascinated. But mm. funny, uh, I think that's always the case with with races like these. I've, I've seen many races with with uh, cars uh, like this which have been very valuable cars and everything and the drivers are just you know all in yeah we're racing yeah we want to win which is great <laughs> i always think because these which machines were designed for that you know they were not designed to be on this 100 percent absolutely absolutely that's why we say that we want our watches being worn and not being put into a safe just in a, in a pretty little collection and that's that's, that's yeah. always nice when we see uh yeah. Things actually being used for the purpose they were designed for, diving watches under the water, pilots' watches in the cockpit. So that's that's True. by the way what English is just a total side sideway comment. But um we saw yesterday, I was amazed that one of our Top Gun watches actually found its way onto the wrist of a, a French Navy pilot who was racing a Rafale against a Bugatti Chiron. Um, which was uh, really yeah, which was a race they just set up uh, between uh, Bugatti and the French Navy. I think it's just gone online in the uh, on the Bugatti social media. You can watch it actually, um, oh, really? and it's really really cool. And the, and the pilot in the Rafale is is a, is a client of ours in the French Navy, and we worked on with him on the Aeronaval Mark eighteen, um, which ah. has the naval crest on on the dial. Uh, he also wears the yeah. Maverick helmet, by the way, which is quite entertaining. And it's amazing to see, and that's that's obviously uh, that's something we always wanted to do as well. But it's so difficult to organize military fighter jets going going against cars. We've done it with a Spitfire, but it's so oh, yes. tricky to organize, especially with the U.S. Navy. It's not so easy to get a plane for. <laughs> the, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. I've never had to organize something similar like this, but yeah. I can imagine it's not the easiest. No, part. definitely not. And, and, and European yeah. air forces and air wings are a little bit more relaxed generally. But it is true. And in the beginning, when we started all the Top Gun stuff, you know, my boss has said to me, "But surely, let's just you know." Hide a couple of planes from the Navy. I said, let me explain this to you. This is taxpayers' <laughs> money. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. government equipment. You know, it's not like yeah, a, yeah. a commercial yeah, partner. Absolutely. It's, it's quite a different world. But anyway. You could only, yeah. I think you could only maybe arrange it with uh, with uh, someone who, who owns or a company who owns an old fighter jet or something. Yeah, that's true. But obviously these, the, you know, the, the vintage jets that people own privately are nothing yeah. like in terms of performance compared to a yeah, modern fast true. jet. And, you of know, course. The, the Tomcats, which were sort of the, the first real full power twin engine jets, they were basically all shredded or converted to, you know, gatepost display aircraft um, when uh, they were yeah. decommissioned. Sure. None of them are sure. privately owned anywhere. And of course, anything mm. 
modern F-A-18s and the like, uh, Eurofighter Typhoons, Rafals, they don't really sell them off. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can imagine. Yeah, but it's a cool idea anyway. It's definitely, would... definitely fun. And it, we always, you know, that's the other thing we always notice. We, we did that when we um, tried to fly the, the Spitfire above the Goodwood racetrack is the yeah. aviation authorizations that you need to fly things very low in close yes. proximity to people. It's, it's insane. It's much easier with a race car, actually. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. you know, the, 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 if the classic race goes ahead in autumn, that would be absolutely amazing. Uh, I would be so excited for you to, to have that experience and to make that dream come oh, true. Yes. And, and, you know, David won the trophy last time, so no pressure, Laura. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I heard that several times already, yes. Uh, I, probably, probably he could come to, to be a good instructor or so. <laughs> yeah, he, no, he is actually, he, he is a good, like, like Maru is a good coach. And uh, I'd, love, yeah. I'd love for you to, to have a go with me as well at some point to see yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> you'll probably be like like your mum was he's like chris listen <laughs> don't go so Pull fast over. put the hazards yeah. on okay let's yeah. talk about this <laughs> enough enough, enough is enough, enough yeah. you know where it says breaking point that's the moment you're supposed to break <laughs> yeah <laughs> properly <laughs> not tentatively oh, properly yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So from cars to watches, Laura, this is the technical yes. bit now. So can you explain to us the inner working? No, no I'm not going to go. <laughs> no, but uh -huh. well, first watch, Laura, what's your first watch, if any, you, you ever wore and why? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So the very first and only watch I ever bought and owned my own was a flick flack. Cool. Watch. You, that was when you were 22 as well? <laughs> no, actually, I think I was five or six years old. Yeah. Um, and uh, there were these, yeah, these flick flag watches in all kind of different layouts and designs with the, I don't know, uh, in all kinds of colors and with huge numbers on it. And I was, yeah, you know, just trying to find out how to read watches. I love the That's fact the that truth. you talk about watches yeah. like I talk about cars. The green one, you know, the one with the, you know, the, the bit on the back. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, so flick flag. Flick oh. flag's good. My daughter's got a flick flag, my middle-sized daughter. Now really? Passed, yeah, passed, she, she's now upgraded to Garmin and she passed a little one. Uh, on to, to my three-year-old. She's got the flick flag now. I think it's Hello Kitty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sorry. Yes, I've got a Garmin as well, of course, <laughs> for, for sportive right. reasons. This interview's but... over. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Have you no, got the, the um, solar charging Garmin? Or? Uh, no, I have a Vivo Active 3, which is just a, you know, a watch covering all, all the data for the, for the sportive uh, for the, the sports uh, that we have to do for the fitness. Yeah. And yeah, I basically wear it if I do fitness. Uh, other than this, I wear my flick flack. Yeah. Obviously not, but probably I, I, I should have search it. it. I definitely yeah, I have it. I have it. Absolutely. I, I can, I could add it to the, to the gallery. Yeah. No, no, you, yeah, absolutely. Gallery. But you We're think, planning. you know, there's, a, you may not know this, but there's a lot of sort of friendly fighting between uh, Garmin and IWC because Garmin, a large part of Garmin is based here in Schaffhausen. And the, the, the rest of the, um, the smart device uh, division of Garmin is, is over in Munich. 
So we, we are sort of, oh. you know, I, I, some of my very close friends here in Schaffhausen work for Garmin and we're obviously constantly oh, okay. in the process of either flogging mechanical watches to people or garments to people. And it's become a bit of a competition. So I'm at okay. a slight disadvantage because of price point, as you can imagine. Slight. I can only, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, I understand. So from FlickFlack and Garmin to IWC, how was that for you? Oh my god, feels so great. I can't even tell you. <laughs> no, honestly. Proper watch. Um, yeah, proper watch. I I can't wait to to have a watch in my hands actually. Yes. And um yeah. And we'll make sure that, that happens long before Goodwood so you can get used to it. Yeah. Do you have your do you have your eye on anything in particular? No, honestly not. Um I mean, of course I've I've been watching at all the watches and um my dad has an IWC already since years and years and yeah. years. Um so uh, also here at KTM I, the um, the bosses uh, have IV, uh, IWC watches so they were delighted to hear about it okay. actually. I yeah, didn't know that. really. I, I didn't know that yeah. KTM is, uh, is IWC inclined. I have not seen that so far. Um, I think that's just a personal thing from yeah. them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, but, so, you know, so some companies personal... I come across it, you know, I see it obviously on social sometimes that certain CEOs are wearing IWC, but KTM, I haven't seen that yet. I'll, I'll look out for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, look out for it. Yeah, I've, every like since uh, since I know um, about this partnership, uh, everybody's uh, showing me the IWCs. So I d around me, there are so many people. And you're the ambassador, and, so that's quite interesting. And <laughs> I'm the ambassador, yeah, obviously. So, and I can't wait, really. They, they are well, beautiful. Look, we're hugely excited. I think it's it's fantastic. I'm really, really looking forward to hopefully uh, seeing you in Goodwood then and enjoying uh, a weekend of of uh, cars and racing and everything else together. And in the meantime, how's your calendar looking? Where, where are you off to next? Yes. Um, so that's a big surprise. I only ah, okay. got the news that... Um, no, I can tell it. Uh, I'll tell it here. I'm off to the 24-hour race of Nürburgring. Whoa. Um, so head to head with Mao. Yes, head to head with Maro, but a different class, of course. Yeah. Um, and I'm driving the KTM Crossbow GT4. Cool. for ktm yes and i really can't wait it's uh yeah it's just the biggest race in the year for yeah, me yeah. and it's the most challenging race and it's the most exciting race and these are always races you don't forget as a racing driver i think you, you never forget so no, definitely not let's hope it doesn't uh, rain like it does at the moment huh? when, when it comes to <laughs> yeah yeah, I would hope for good weather. <laughs> How are you in the rain? Is that something that you, I mean, do you, do you hate it? Do you like it? Is it sort of non-plus? Um, I, I like it actually. Um, but I would say, uh, you know, rain on the Nordschleife is just different than it's rain on any other rain, track. Yeah. yeah. And the Nordschleife is very, very challenging itself. So you don't really need to add rain to, uh, rise the excitement yeah. even yeah, more yeah, okay. <laughs> so um I, I would prefer dry but um if the rain comes it comes and we can handle it so no no problem that that sounds fantastic and see i've never you know I, i've never done the the Nordic life i've never driven the Nordic life obviously i've watched all of the really onboard laps i've never done it and obviously now i'm not going to ask you to sit next to me because you clearly say i'm not going to do that so. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you can take me on a taxi ride one day because I've actually, uh, you I've should never come been. honestly yes. when is that in two weeks time um, or is that next week? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks time. Uh, no, it's it's from uh, 4th to 6th of June. It's that weekend, around that weekend, yeah. 
Thanks. Well, let's see if we can make that happen. That would be super exciting. That would be super ah, that exciting. would be great. Fourth, I'm in Munich. I, could... I know that. Fourth, I'm 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 in Munich. I'm in Motor World again. I've actually going to meet really? someone. Yeah, I'm going to meet someone from the the diecast community who's going to do a full roundup of, on the uh, 300SL. We're going to do a nice little photo mm -hmm. opportunity and mm -hmm. a little nice. tour of Munich. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, that's a fantastic project but... there, Motor World. I was blown away. I mean, seventy-five thousand yeah. square meters, and there's some some nice cars. Yes, Definitely. absolutely. We will have uh, one of the new KTM Crossbow GTX cars in there soon. That's Brilliant. why I've been there. Mm. Ah, cool. Yeah, and we're also going to have yeah. the largest working IWC wall clock ever to be produced. A big pilot with 2 meter 20 dial diameter, huge crown on the side. No way. And actually powered by, I think, three separate uh, church clock movements to get the hands and that kind of, you know, that's, that's oh my God. bigger components that we can make here in our machines in Schaffhausen. But that's going to be super exciting as well. And what a project. Fantastic space. Huh? Yeah, crazy. It's a, it's a must for everybody who's interested in cars and engineering. Go check it and out. watches, obviously. Listen, Laura, <laughs> best of luck for the yes. Nürburgring. You know, we keep all our fingers crossed and, and you know, Thank show you. Maru how it's done. <laughs> and then uh, I will. Let, let's hope that we, that we can see each other in Goodwood or, or, or maybe even earlier. And uh, let's yeah, hope that works absolutely. out. And I can't wait to see you, Andy. IWC Classic Racing Team in the 300 SO and, and, and smash it for us there at the Tony Gaze Trophy. Thanks a lot, Laura. Good to talk to you. Speak to you soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This is the Partners in Time podcast. Make sure you subscribe to never miss an episode. If you want to find out more, visit iwc.com. And you can, of course, follow us on Instagram. It's at IWC Watches. My Instagram is at Chris Granger Hair. Make sure you tune in. Speak to you soon. Mm -hmm.